talk about murder. Murder. Yep. We love murder. But I have to tell you guys about something that I discovered this week because maybe you don't know this about me, but probably you do because I have a true crime podcast um, that I am a little bit into the Discovery ID shows. I know that they're trash. I know that they're not. They're like they're like the uh, worst kind of candy. They're like the soda pop of the true crime world they're not serious a lot of them don't take it very seriously the, and they kind of treat people the badly. ones that have the, the the creepy guy with the gray hair that they make fun of on snl or is that something else no that's like dateline and okay. stuff we're talking about the actual yeah, channel I, I know i know the channel the one that's always on in the hotel yeah our hotel room our hotel room channel adrian calls it our hotel room channel well it's one of the channels that's always no matter what hotel you stay in they always have that channel they really do all right, so what is it that you okay, discovered? So on Investigation Discovery, they are always coming up with really dumb new shows because they have to figure out a way to profile the same cases over and over again because it's really all the same cases over and over again. Sure. But I discovered over the last week that they have a show called The 80s, The Deadliest Decade. <laughs> and I love it. It's fantastic because it's got like like the neon, the pink neon, and it's like the 80s and it says every year like because whenever they talk about a new year on the show they like show it in neon nice and all the names of the sh- of the episodes are all like really like super 80s things so like the yuppie murder or the preppy <laughs> murder or the cheerleader murders which isn't necessarily very 80s but it is sort of 80s but anyway that i digress so i just think it's great and then right before we started recording this about two hours ago I was listening to another episode because I listen to them. I don't actually watch them because I don't have time to watch, sit down and watch anything. I have, I have to look at other things while I listen to stuff. Um, this woman was talking about a family that she was good friends with and she was discussing what they did as when the people came over. So the, it was a New York story, New York City story. And they were talking about how they would go to the Hamptons and play Trivial Pursuit. And I thought that that was the most 80s event sort of thing that you would could possibly do. So you invite people over to your house to play Trivial Pursuit. Because mm-hmm. that's I feel like that's when Trivial Pursuit was like introduced. Like the late 70s, I, early 80s or something. I think you're right. I think, But I also think that on top of that, that was also the heyday of, of Trivial Pursuit was the 80s. Yeah, it was really the heyday. Like, like it was like our parents' generation, our parents' generation's version of cards against humanity like everyone had a a copy of it and whenever you went anywhere you played it yeah i think that's you're probably right and everybody had different versions of it not so much like they do now but you know like they they, people would buy the new updated one every year because i think there was one for every year given these four names which of these people hasn't played batman oh my god god there we have the 2009 trivial pursuit i think it's 2009 doesn't matter but it's prior to ben affleck being cast as batman and we were playing trivial pursuit because we are 80s kids and every once in a while we still play it because that's life and i got a question for i gave actually i asked you this question it came up and i was like holy crap this is crazy because before ben affleck it was right after he'd been cast before the movies yeah and the, I, the version had or the edition didn't come out in that time frame we were playing we were playing time. it before ben affleck played batman but after he was cast right and on the the card is which of these four actors has not played batman and it was literally like it was christian bale adam west and michael keaton and then ben affleck and then ben affleck which was super funny because he'd just been cast and i was like this is already an outdated game and we can't play this game again which is not true we've played it since then Mm. but 
it's a funny card to pull up because it, none of the answers are right. So literally none of the answers are right. Yep. So Trivial Pursuit predicted incorrectly that Ben Affleck would never play Batman. Right. Anyway. On to the murder. Okay. So speaking of Ben Affleck and non sequiturs, tonight we're going to talk about um, one of the female serial killers that nobody really talks about because people think there's only been like one or two and there hasn't. There's been quite a few. There's been at least 38 in the last two centuries. But tonight we're going to talk about Dana Sue Gray. And Dana Sue Gray, like I said, she's not very well known. Um, Maybe you know who she is if you've watched a lot of these ID shows. I think I've talked to you about this case before because it is kind of funny. But it's not really funny because, of course, people died. Right. And I want to, no matter how much we joke around about this kind of stuff, I just want to reiterate that that doesn't mean that we find it. We find the murders funny. We absolutely do not find the murders funny. But we do find the stupidity of murderers funny because that's why they get caught and we're glad they do. True. So, um... So I just want to talk about a little bit about Dana Sue because she was a bit odd in the when we when we're talking about female serial killers they tend to kill people they know okay they or they tend to kill people that they're close to so when, for example Jane Toppin was she killed uh, like her landlord she killed patients uh, so when when you say that she she was a bit odd is this a bit odd for a normal person or a bit odd for a serial killer because I feel like a bit odd for a female serial killer okay because because like. A bit odd for a normal person, I think, is like killing people. Yeah, it's it's a pretty pretty solid symptom of being a serial killer. So, <laughs> well, male serial killers tend to kill people they don't know. Right, but they're also a bit odd. Yes, like they do stuff I like when they're you. kids. They they like stab neighborhood pets and like do weird crap. Well, female serial pee their killers pants and stuff. <laughs> yes. Okay, and they also set fires. That's a triad. Okay. Um. But not well, every not see, every not every male serial killer not every serial killer does. They're that. losing out on some efficiency. They should they should start the fires and then pee on the fires and then they can put them out <laughs> and then no one will know that they were serial killers because there was no fire. There's no peeing their pants. So it's just the neighborhood pets that you got to worry about. Mm. Set the neighborhood pets on fire, then pee on, pee on them to put them out, and then you're good. All, all your all evidence of your crimes are 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 washed away. I don't know what to say to that. Okay. Okay. All right. So. I was just going to say that male serial killers tend to kill people they don't know, and female serial killers tend to kill people they do know. So gotcha. if there's multiple murders and a female is doing it, she's killing her family, she's killing people who are in her care. In the case of many of nurses, particularly, well, any nurse that is killing is usually killing people who are in their care. Um, what's funny about Dana Sue Gray is, number one, she was a nurse, and number two, she didn't kill any of her patients. She killed people. She, she had a mixture, so she killed two people she knew. And she attempted to kill a person she didn't know, and then she killed a person she didn't know. So she's got a half and half. And I think part of that has to do with when she started to to kind of spiral, she just sort of lost her mind. And we'll get into it because her, her killing spree is only about a month long. Okay. Which is not normal. Usually it's a lot more drawn out than right. that. Um, well, isn't, don't they usually call that like a spree killer or something like that? Um, I think they do, but because there was a, there was a total calming, cooling down period, like she was home, she went about her daily life and then killed, went about her daily life for a, li- for a couple weeks and then killed. Okay. And then so, subsequently so, that. So like a proper serial yeah, killer. Yeah. Cool. Uh, okay. So she also strangled, stabbed, and beat her victims, which is very odd for female serial killers who tend to use guns or poison. Gotcha. Um, mostly because of the strength issue. But I think because of Dana Sue's chosen victims, which were elderly women. Okay. 
there was Ooh, that sucks yeah there was less of a um she knew she could out and she was also in great shape uh she was a but you'd have to be to strangle stab and then bludgeon bludgeon people to death yeah well stabbing i think she only stabbed one of her victims but she definitely did some strangling and some beating for everybody so dana sue was a pretty solidly normal kid for the most part. She certainly didn't um, do any of the things we talked about earlier. She wasn't a triad person. Gotcha. Uh, but she did have a bit of a violent streak. And I think that spurs from her mother. So let's talk a little bit about her youth and then we'll get into her mother. So Dana Sue was born on December 6, 1957 in Southern California. Uh, she was born to Beverly and Russell and they Ambrust was the last name of them. Ambrust. 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 Or Ambrose. Bruce. It's a Ambrose. U. So, yeah. So, Dana's mother was uh, a model who was hoping to, and I think had, had a little stardom. Okay. So, she was she was a, an aspiring starlet, and I think she'd had a little bit of a taste of it, and then it didn't, then it didn't, didn't work out for her. So, I think she was... And she had that goddamn kid. No, I think that was after. I think that there had been some... Some unhappiness um, as far as miscarriages and stuff like that before she had Dana. So I think Dana was a wanted child, but she was definitely not a treated well child. So her Yeah, because she ruined mom's career. <laughs> well, de- her mom was definitely a overspender. So she was a maxing out the credit cards of the father all the time. She was needed to be beautiful no matter what. So it's one of those things where it's like you spend all the money to make yourself gorgeous and you kind of let everything else kind of go to the wayside, including your marriage, including your relationship with your daughter. So by the time Dana was about two, her dad was already out of there and right. uh, her mom was pretty abusive and pretty violent. So she would. Because her goddamn kid ruined her marriage, too. <laughs> well, that may be true because. Ac- well, that's I don't know. <laughs> I don't think she was violent as a two-year-old, but she definitely became a violent kid. So what would happen is her mom would try to discipline her and she would essentially, she would flip out. So she would either steal money from her mom's purse to buy candy, which I guess is what a kid would would do. We're talking like a kid. We're not talking like like a teenager or something. We're talking like a 10-year-old. Got mad at her mom and stole money from her purse to go buy candy, which as punishment for her mom punishing her. Right. And then if... Uh, alternatively she would lash out and be violent with her mom so she was just a kind of an unhappy kid and i imagine that because her mom was a violent woman that she learned that by you know watching i learned that by watching you speaking of the 80s right. um and the problem with this is that when despite the fact that she just kind of hated her mom she's also a little bit like needing the attention and needing the the uh approval of her mother so for the rest of her life she was always kind of obsessed with her mom and part of that was because her mom died when she was 14 so what happened so beverly so she never quite got a revenge she ne- <laughs> and i think part of that is that probably they never had the opportunity to become to get through this crazy time in her life so but also it sounds like her mom was pretty shitty as a person so i mean i hate to say that about somebody who passed but it doesn't sound like the lady was a very nice person so she both resented hated or she all three of these things resented hated and loved her mother in a way that was like like years later she would still celebrate her mom's birthday like with a big party or with a big event in some way uh so she was definitely like still seeking mom's approval even years after she had died um so Dana then went to live with her dad who was a pretty decent guy from all accounts um and his wife his new wife and 
everything was fine and dandy for a couple of years until she was she was caught with drugs in her bedroom and then her stepmom booted her and unfortunately this means that she was left only with only like one option and that was to move in with a boyfriend who was a was a a pretty okay guy. I mean, they were together for quite a while and she was still went to school and she still graduated and she still went to nursing school, which is something that she had decided she wanted to do after watching her mom go through her cancer treatment. She saw how the nurses treated her mom and she felt like that was something she'd like to do. So they I clearly treat and then murder people. <laughs> so uh, she was also a wild child in a lot of ways, but because of that, she kind of pushed herself in do extreme sports which i think is super cool so she would like jump out of airplanes she was really into um water skiing windsurfing boogie boarding uh skydiving like murdering <laughs> but definitely like jump she probably did like what is the thing where you just jump off of a random like you go to the some place and just jump off of it talking about bungee jumping not bungee jumping cliff that, diving cliff may not cliff diving it's the thing where you like jump off something and you throw up a parachute up in the air. Oh, base jumping. Base jumping. Yeah. yeah. Like I can totally see her doing that. I didn't see anything where she was doing that, but I bet that she tried it at least once, you know, mm. like she was just into that. Um, and because of that, she was attracted to this guy, uh, Corey, who was a professional, um, what the heck? Windsurfer. Okay. So they were together for 10 years or so. Corey Cool Waves. Sure, Corey Cool Waves. We're going to call him Corey Cool Waves. But he's not around for too long in this story. But Corey Cool Waves and Dana had a couple of uh, pregnancy scares in which, unfortunately, Corey Corey Cool Waves insisted that she get an abortion. Which I think is really sad because it seems to me, from everything that I'm seeing about Dana, that she was really anxious to have a child. Um, That later on she had trouble getting pregnant and... It may have been from complications from getting abortions. I don't know. I don't so really... many abortions. She had okay. <laughs> um, so Dana was considered to be super hot, and I've seen pictures of her. She was okay. I don't get the super hot thing, but maybe when she was younger, she was hot. I don't know. But New York Six. Well, she was in California, so, so New York Five. <laughs> California Two. <laughs> Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> Anyway, so in 1987, Dana had ditched Corey Cool Waves and taken up with a guy named Bill Gray, which I find fun because that's my uncle's name. So, hi, Uncle Bill. <laughs> this is not the man she married, though. <laughs> Thank God. Um, I actually saw that he's listed as Tom Gray in other places, which is funny because my other uncle is also is Tom Gray. So I've got like both of my uncles being accidentally referenced in this this story, which of course. They're not involved in the story. They were in Wisconsin. Disclaimer. <laughs> no relation. <laughs> These are not the men you're looking for. Um, okay, so her and Bill wanted to have kids. And again, she could not. She kept having miscarriages. And it was not doing good things for her head. But what unfortunately came out of this insecurity and this being married to somebody who maybe wasn't as exciting as Corey Cool Waves and also 
just kind of being the kind of person she was and learning it from her mother, she was a big spender. She wanted to have everything. She wanted to wear the best perfume. She had to have her hair done all the time. She had to have her nails done all the time. And so basically what happened is she rang, she ran up everybody's credit card, her credit cards, his credit cards, probably other people's credit cards for all I know. See, the problem with treat yourself is you got to do it occasionally. Yeah, you can't do it every day. That's not treating yourself anymore. No. That's just living your life irresponsibly. Exactly. So what ended up happening is they ended up having to file for bankruptcy because she essentially had spent all their money. And in conjunction with that, of course, they split up. But this is what's funny is it it's not really that funny. It's kind of funny. Bill was in a band and she took up with Jim, who was in Bill's band. And so she'd switch back and forth between them. Jim, Bill, Jim, Bill, Jim, Bill over and over again. And like until finally Bill was like, I can't take this anymore. And she just settled in with Jim, uh, Jim and his five year old son. Jason, who will come into context later in the story. Around this same time, Dana was fired from her job because this is when she's she's still a nurse. She's but she's this is in around the, the, the time, stable relationship with Jim er, time frame. Well, there the relationship with Jim is never not stable. I thought you just said that she bounced back and forth between. Oh yeah, this is after after they get yeah. They, so she they're gets into the so she, so she's she's in the stable relationship. Well, once upon around the time that she's bouncing back and forth between them is when she, she lost her job. Is when she gets fired from her okay. job, and she gets fired from her job because they suspect she was stealing medication. Because that's it seems like that's when that's when nurses get fired. Mm-hmm. Well, like, it's a serious. It's a pretty thing. serious offense, and in addition to possibly drug problem, because. Maybe she had a prescription drug problem. Maybe she didn't. I don't know. But she was definitely drinking two bottles of Smirnoff like every few days from what I could read from what she eventually starts buying. So this is where things start to go downhill for Dana. Okay. She, for some reason, on honor around February 14th, 1994, this is in the midst of the stable relationship with Jim in the midst of really falling hard for Jason, the little five-year-old boy. She thinks he's great because he's five and he's a little boy. Let's be honest. We know a five-year-old little boy. We love him to bits. Yep. You just fall in love with them. They're cute and they're sweet and they're a little cheeky. So <laughs> we're going to talk a little bit about the people and the crimes that she did. And there, I want to tell everybody ahead of time that this isn't, a, this isn't pretty. She violently killed people. She didn't just, like I said, it's not poisoning it's not a gunshot. She violently killed, at, at the very least, three people. Probably just those three people. There was no real evidence to indicate she killed anybody before that. But her first victim was Norma Davis, who happened to be her stepmother's ex-mother-in-law. So this Wow, is, that's a relation. Yeah, it's a little complicated, but it's not. So what happened was her stepmother, Jerry, had been married, and then her husband passed away. So she remained close to her to his mother. Gotcha. And essentially Norma became the grandmother to the kids. The kids. Okay. So Dana knew her as grandma. Right. Or Nana. But or technically no relation. No relation, but a family member. Um Norma was living in a place called Canyon Lake, California, and it's a retirement community, but it's not it's a it's a community. It's not with a lot of retirees. It's not actually a retirement community. It's got 
all different ages. Sure. But it's it's really suited to retirees. It's, so it's got boats and it's got, you know, golf carts and a golf course. and it's So it's in, the Florida of California. Yeah. Okay. And it's in, you might know this, you might be more familiar with this region than I am because I'm not, mm. I don't know California, but okay. it's called the Inland Empire region. Nope. It's a, it's a few, it's several miles from LA. This area, this Canyon Lake was a much more, it was nice. Okay. So it was like, you know, it attracted people who wanted to retire maybe on a budget, maybe not on a budget, mm-hmm. depending on, and you just kind of want to, you know, live. So in this community, also Jerry and Russell lived. This is Dana's father and stepmother. And Dana had previously lived there with Bill okay. slash Tom slash not my uncles. Um, and so it was an eclectic community. So what happened was Norma's best friend, Alice, who was her next door neighbor, hadn't seen her in a couple of days. And she popped over to uh, Norma's house. Okay. To see to check up on her because she they were be- they were literally best friends. This is a relationship where it's they're neighbors, they're best friends, they do everything together. Sure. And she hasn't seen her. She's concerned. She thinks maybe I mean they're elderly. They're like in their eighties. This isn't a young group of women. And she wanted to go over and check on her, make sure everything was all right. So she went over to her house and let herself in because this was you know a trusting area nothing ever happened sort of thing well it sounds like they were bffs you give your bff your keys well it's also a key card it's like a gated community so you have to have a key card you have to you know you can't just be somebody there and walk into someone's house although there are like workers and stuff that maybe they should have been more concerned but obviously not that wasn't the case in this in this case um so she alice walks into norma's house and she can't find her everything looks pretty normal i mean the house is kind of clean or is the house is clean because mm. old women keep their houses clean apparently. Uh, everything's fine. And then she walks up on the landing where her where like her TV room is and Alice finds Norma sitting on her on her like comfy easy chair, um, with like her Afghan over her legs and she goes she's like, Oh, maybe she's sleeping. So she walks over and she's like, Hey and then immediately when she looks at her, realizes that she's not sleeping because she has two knives protruding out of her body. She's got one protruding out of her neck and one protruding out of her chest. Folks, don't try acupuncture at home. <laughs> um, there's also a phone cord has been ripped from the wall. And what police would eventually discover are two things. So they would eventually discover that Norma was also strangled. Okay. They Or three things, actually. They would eventually... Number one, Norma. They would eventually discover that she has 11 stab wounds and they would eventually on the crime scene as they're taking the knives out of Norma, they will discover that the stab wound to her neck has nearly decapitated her. Wow. So this is a very violent murder. I'd say. um, That's clearly been perpetrated by someone who was known to the victim. Right. Because she clearly was not nervous. She was sitting in her easy chair. Probably chatting away. Well, also, you know, key cards and key cards and things exclusive like that. neighborhood, that sort of thing. But she didn't. There was no scared running around of the house. Right. And they that they said, know of. Maybe she set her up in the thing. Um, left behind at the crime scene on Norma's finger was her very large diamond engagement ring or diamond wedding ring, I would assume. And at the crime scene, the police found a size six Nike shoe. So this is what we're going with. But they don't know who did it. There's no real suspects. But as the as they're investigating, Jerry comes up, her right. granddaughter, her BF. or her or uh, her daughter-in-law, her former daughter. Yeah. It's a very confusing to me story. I apologize, everyone. So 
they find out from Jerry that a couple days earlier she'd been in to the house. And actually, this is what's really funny is that all of the news reports talk about this incident as if Norman was already dead when mm-hmm. this happened. Norman wasn't dead when Jerry came over. So Jerry came over and she to drop off groceries because she was her caretaker. She was okay. she was essentially her daughter, you know. Right. So she was her also her caretaker, also and just being nice. Yeah, and also Norma was elderly. She was um she had been recovering for a few months from a bypass surgery. She had had an accident, I guess. So people were caring for her. They cared about her. Right. And so Jerry came over to drop off her groceries, but apparently Norma would watch her television very, very loud because she couldn't hear anything. And so Jerry was like, I just put the groceries away and I got the fuck out of there because I was I didn't want to be there. It was too right. loud. Yeah. This happened in like the like Jerry dropped off the groceries on like Sunday. Somebody saw Norma on Monday like walking around doing stuff and then she was found on like Wednesday dead. So like this is not a timeline where Jerry was was like there when she was dead. Right. Which is every single article I read was was acted like this was the case. Like Jerry had been like in the house with the dead body and didn't even realize the it. The killer was hiding in the closet. Yeah, it's it's obnoxious. So so anyway, I'm getting through that but anyway the the detective on the case is detective greco and he's a great guy he's in every show he's was his a, last name roman no his fir- last name is greco okay jerry becomes basically becomes the first suspect because she is the former daughter-in-law it's you were a, the last one to see the like, victim alive well greco go greco is very confused by why the former daughter-in-law would still be hanging about just like we you know, like at first you were like that's weird right like it just it's kind of weird but i mean it's, it's not that weird yeah it's not that weird. i mean you give it you you give it a second thought and you're like well yeah all right that I makes mean, sense i think if they were had been divorced it'd be weird right but because he she was a widow it's not nearly as odd sure like of course you're gonna stay close to somebody if you died I would absolutely want to stay close to your mom. Sure. You know? Like, I don't know. Anyway. So, eventually, it would be very quickly that they would be able to to rule Jerry out. She was a suspect, and very quickly, he ruled her Greco ruled her out. But they remained in contact, which is very important to this, because actually, Jerry has a couple of connections to the people in this case. Obviously. Right. I mean, she's Dana's stepmother, but there's also some other indicators. First of all, she's Norma's daughter-in-law. Ex-daughter-in-law. And then, of course, she knows the second victim as well. So... Her knowledge actually will help him solve the case eventually, which is excellent because not everybody is willing to talk about their family when it comes to these cases. Um, Jerry is. Jerry's a hero. So two weeks later, exactly two weeks later, on February 28th, uh, June Roberts, who was one of the, like, she was about 57 or 58. So she was a little bit younger, but she was in excellent shape. So this is a woman who is like... Working out fit at, as a fiddle. Fit as a fiddle. She's living in this community. Clearly her and her husband had done well. Unfortunately, he had passed away and she was having a rough time of it. Um, the connection with Jerry in June is that Russell, Dana's father, and Jerry's... And June... Wait. June's husband. I'm getting confused by these <laughs> names. Uh, June's husband and Dana's father, Jerry's husband, were best friends. So this was a group that hung out together often. Um, until her husband passed away and then she kind of had become reclusive because she was bummed again if you di- if your husband dies it's not very nice especially if you were having a nice time they were relatively young less than 60 you know that's doesn't sound like a great ideal situation right um so june 
and Dana also knew each other because we're talking about a close-knit community here. We're talking about people who her parents know, June and her husband. This is a natural thing that they would know each other. Uh, Dana goes over to June's house to ask her for a book to help her quit drinking. So it's some sort of like get fit, quit drinking sort of thing. Okay. Uh, Dana is not particularly... Dana's in pretty good shape, but if you're drinking a lot, maybe a little nutrition will help you out. So she goes over to ask June for a book. And while she's in June's house asking for this book, she's for some reason snaps or she was planning it all along. It's hard to know. She suddenly grabs a she well, actually, once she was in the house, she planned to do it because she unplugged the phone cord um, the one from the wall, and also unplugged the phone, the curly cord from the telephone. So, for those of you youngins yeah. out there, uh, telephones used to be plugged into the wall, and that's how you made phone calls. And they also there also used to be a curly cord that went from the receiver to the to the base of the phone, so you could like stretch it and like kind of move around the house a little bit, or twirl it around your finger while you were talking to your friends. Yeah, that's what most young girls did. You see a lot of '80s movies where the girls are doing that. It's quite fun. Um, and she unplugged these from, from the phone. And then as June was bending over to get her the book, she wrapped the curly cord around her neck and started to choke her. Well, June, being a strong and fit woman, was like, oh, I don't fucking think so, darling. And basically, they had a fight around that apartment oh, or that no, house. You didn't. They had a fight around that house that went, that basically was just like, Everywhere they like tables were kicked over and like there was definitely some like screaming and crying and flipping and whooping and all the things that you hope you would do if somebody tried to choke you, June did. And what it comes down to is that Dana could only really get her down when she like so if you think about like an easy chair, um I don't really know what she did. I think there's a, some of them have like wood on the end or on the sides and stuff. And I think that what she did was she wrapped the cord around that and then pulled while June was on the chair and like pulled so hard until she died. Because when I don't want to give anybody any ideas because don't kill people. That's not cool. Um, but if you want to strangle someone, it takes a long time. It's not to to cut someone's air off, it doesn't take 10 seconds like it does in the movies. It takes a while, like seven minutes or something like that. So you have to be really, you have to have a lot of endurance to really, because people are going to fight well, you. Especially somebody who, who is in good shape. Exactly. They're, they're, especially if they do a lot of cardio, your lungs are, are going to be more efficient at processing oxygen, which means that you're going to have a lot of oxygen in your blood for a lot longer, which means that you're not going to choke and die as quickly as, yeah. you know, some normal, normal ass person who doesn't go running. Exactly. Or whatever. So, so Dana basically had to choke her out. But then what she did is she grabbed, a, and this is offensive as hell to me, she grabbed a wine decanter. Okay. And beat her to death with it. Beat her till she was. She just. She just basically. She strangled the shit out of her, and then she beat her with a fucking wine decanter. Um, I want to know what kind of wine decanter right? they had because, like, I think we're talking like one of those solid bottom crystal ones that are like, like the bottom never breaks. Yeah, I was gonna say because those things are usually pretty thin and they bust real quick. So anyway, after the murder, 
Dana rifled through June's purse, once again ignoring a big-ass fucking diamond on her finger, and uh, took two credit cards. So she took a Visa card, and she took a Mervyn's card, and I've not, I'm not familiar with Mervyn's. So if anybody out there is familiar with Mervyn's, please let us know, because I've never heard of it. But I guess it could have been a 90s department store that has since gone into obsolescence. So... I want to share with you a little bit about what Dana did after she killed June. So first of all, I want to tell you this. Jason was in the car while Dana was killing June. They were on the way to the mall, Adrian. Today? Today. That day. Not today, because she's in jail, but that day. So so Dana probably said to Jason at some point, let's go to the mall. Today. today. Yes. Okay. Yes. I actually have another How I Met Your Mother joke in a couple minutes that you're going to enjoy. So across town, okay, this is going to be an interesting thing. And Adrian, I want you to comment as much as you want to on this. Okay. Because this is what Dana did. She went to the mall and she went on a spending spree. Okay. We're about to hear Adrian's hot take on this. So Adrian's hot take on Dana's spending spree. Lay it with on me. Jerry's card. Not Jerry's. June's with card. June's Have I been card? saying Jerry? No, you've been saying June. Okay, good. So uh, with June's card. First stop, lunch at an upscale shopping mall. Ooh, was it a Galleria? I don't know. It seems like all the fancy malls are called Gallerias. Okay. So the lunch was of shrimp scampi, crab cakes, and cheesecake. She was with a five-year-old. Well, obviously the cheesecake was for the five-year-old. I hope so. Eat the eat, eat this cheesecake, kid, and then we, we never talk about the fact that we went to Aunt June's. <laughs> right? <laughs> so, but this, they everybody talks about how they boxed up the food when they didn't eat it all, and I'm like, so... Um, first hot take, you don't take out shrimp scampi. Like, oh, I didn't eat my shrimp scampi. Could you box it up for me? No, because you're going to die from food poisoning five minutes from now when you try and eat it. Don't take shrimp home. You're going to die. Okay. Yeah. But that, like, made a big fuss over her taking, like, not eating at all. And, like, is it her fault that she, that they, the portions were too big for her? I don't oh, understand. That. That does seem really weird. Like, yeah. like, like they were saying that she was being, it would be weirder if she had wasted it. She'd been like, throw it away. I hate this. Yeah. I had one bite. Now take it away. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe that it's because this was like in the early nineties, right? Yeah. Okay. So maybe it was mid nineties. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I think people just are making a big fuss, bigger fuss over it than they should. Right. It's one of those. Well, she obviously she murdered people, so there's something wrong with her not with her taking eating the all food her home. food in one go. Yeah. So damn her straight to hell. She's not part of the clean plate club. <laughs> so her second stop was an eyebrow and mustache wax. I love that detail. There was a mustache wax. That's okay. A perm and a haircut for Jason. Oh, th- it was a stylish haircut for Jason. A stylish haircut. I, I, I love that detail. Who gives a shit? It was a haircut. He was five. Who cares? Um, third stop was $511 on black fringe, on a black fringe leather jacket and three pairs of boots, one red, one yellow, and one black. And she left the store with the red ones on. Yes, she did. Pulling it, it off. off. <laughs> Fourth stop uh, is called Temecula's Jewelry. Ju- I'm sorry, Temecula's, Temecula's Jewelry Mart, because Ooh. that's classy. For $161 pair of diamond and sapphire drop earrings, which sound awesome, but for she killed people. Huh? For $161? That doesn't yeah, sound very not, fancy. No, they're not very fancy. Yeah, okay. I would well, actually I guess, I I guess would spend that much on earrings. I guess if you're buying things from the Jewelry Mart, yeah. you, you, you can't expect much. 
So the fifth stop was Mervyn's Department Store. So this is Mervyn's. There, there's Mervyn's, yeah. I literally, but I've never heard of the store. Yeah, me neither. I mean, it's a California store, obviously. Obviously. Or it's an East Co- or a West Coast store. Could be. I don't know. But anyway. We are not people that know these things. No. So she got ba- she got underwear for herself. I don't know why we needed to know that, but three pairs of shoes Five pairs of jeans. Oh, wait. This is for Jason. For Jason, she got three pairs of shoes, five pairs of jeans. They specifically said Levi's like that, like anybody gives a shit. Eight shirts. Weren't Levi's like the... Nope, never mind. I'm, my brain, for some reason, is trying to draw this whole thing back into the 80s. No, we're talking about it. Socks and undies for Jason. And sheets. A set of sheets. Because... B- bullshit. I mean, sheets are not cheap. No. If you're going to steal someone's credit card, get some sheets. I don't know. All right. So my... uh, I'm not done. Oh, excuse me. Please continue. (laughs) Sixth stop. Save on for groceries, quote unquote groceries, because Tootsie Rolls and Skittles. Well, obviously those were for Jason. Orange flavored Gatorade. Okay. Rawhide dog treats, dog biscuits and dog shampoo, two cartons of Marlboro Lights and two bottles, two normal size bottles of Smirnoff. And of course, well, she had to have something for her orange Gatorade or else it's just right. Gatorade. <laughs> and of course, a styrofoam boogie board and a toy police helicopter for Jason. Obviously for Jason. I mean, this sounds like the coolest day ever for Jason. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> I mean, like, like, sure. We, you know, sure. Mom made me stop off and sit in a stupid car for like a half an hour at that dumb old lady's house but now we went and we got we got shrimp scampi and cheesecake and i got some underoos and a toy helicopter and a boogie board and an awesome new haircut awesome new stylish haircut stylish haircut i i I agree with you 100 percent. the whole time i'm like jason had a ball that day like she she definitely like was like jason let's go to the mall and have a good time and he's like Okay, and like then he got everything. I bet he, I bet you that that's only the tip of the iceberg. I bet there's more shit she bought, oh, yeah. but we just don't. They they didn't find it to be interesting enough or something. Sure. So the next day, because she's not over, she's not done. She's not done using June Roberts credit cards. By the way, this is what she's doing. She's using June's credit cards. Look, you guys, she got exhausted and she needed to take a nap. It just happened to be eight hours because she drank two bottles of Smirnoff with her orange Gatorade. Okay. <laughs> well, the, like, I think. My in my mind, she is doing like this spree so that she can get this all out before they cancel the cards, right? Right. Like she's thinking, okay, someone's gonna find her. They're gonna cancel all her credit cards in case they think somebody somebody. Um, I just want to point out that when I called her a sp- when I asked if she was a spree killer earlier, I didn't mean shopping spree killer. The next day, she bought three hundred dollars worth of swimsuits. Okay. More boys Levi's because apparently Jason needs more Levi's. Uh, more groceries, including two more bottles of vodka and two more cartons of Marlboro Lights. Because she smoked all the cigarettes and drank all the vodka the day before. And ha- oh, by the way, the girl at the counter had said, thought to herself, nobody buys two cartons of cigarettes. I know lots of people that buy two cartons. Of- yeah, well, especially in 1994, cigarettes were $2 a pack. God, do you know cigarettes were only $2? Yeah. Oh, I think I might still smoke if that was the case. <laughs> so, she had two- so she had a massage and another fancy lunch. Which again, they noted that she took it home. What a criminal! I don't, I don't get it. Who cares? Anyway, later in the day, she bought two bottles of perfume called Opium, which sounds like a terrible perfume. 
Smells like an awful perfume. Anyway, so shoes. She went to Nine West and got some shoes. And she got several pairs of athletic shoes at the Nike store for Jason and Jim. Well, that was nice of her. Yes. And some active wear for herself. Active wear. Going to murder people in my active wear. I literally wrote Jesus Christ after this. She bought Jesus Christ with June's credit card? (laughs) I was just like, I can't believe that she... Because she... it, It tells you how much she spent. And she spent like thousands of dollars worth of shit. And I'm just like, she bought like nine pairs of shoes at the Nike store. How did Jim not go, what the fuck? Right. How'd you get the money for this? You're not... She was unemployed. Right. It's nice, but it's like, whose fucking money are you spending, lady? Right. You know, he clearly didn't give that much of a shit. This is obviously not our money. <laughs> I think she told him that it was like Bill's credit card. And it's still like, but still, it's fucked up. Yeah. You're like, oh, it's fine. Bill, it's Bill's it's credit cool. card. It's cool. It's my ex's card. I, I don't know. Whatever. So <laughs> um, about 11 days later. No, not quite. About six days later. Six to seven Maybe eight days later. About a week later, Dana decided that uh, she'd calmed down on the uh, spending all of June's money and had decided that she was going to get her mother's picture framed. Okay. Uh, so she went into an antique store called the Main Street Trading Post, where a woman named Dorinda Hawkins was working. Uh, it was Okay, this was March 10th, so we're talking 10 days later. Okay. Um, a fortnight. About a fortnight. So... Dorinda Hawkins was basically helping her friend who was like 79 out. Uh, this Her friend was the one who did the framing. And Dana inquired about getting this frame, getting this thing framed. And she wanted to see the, the uh, merchandise. So apparently there was this, uh, you know, you go into a store and they there's makeshift, especially like a crappy antique store or like not a crappy antique store, but just a small antique store that doesn't have fancy bells and whistles. Right. And like they use, they use like rope and stuff to mark off places where customers can go and where, where customers can't go. Well, apparently she let her through into the frame thing by moving this like six inch long yellow um, plastic, you know what I'm talking about, those plastic ropes yeah, that yeah, people yeah. put across. And she let her through. And they're looking at these frames and they're kind of discussing the frames and they're going through what frames are nice and what frames aren't nice. And, and from uh, according to Dorinda, Dana was being a bit rude about it, but also like occasionally then she'd be like, oh, that's beautiful. But then she'd be like, oh, that's a piece of shit. So she was kind of like a little bit of like just kind of an asshole. And, um, and then going back and forth between being an asshole and being a good customer. Okay. But apparently... Dorinda did something to offend Dana or something. So, and Dana grabbed that yellow cord and started choking her with it right there in the store. Just started like giving her her hell. Like, I guess she, what she did was she put it around her, put the, the noose around Dorinda's neck, slip knotted it and like pulled the slip knot into her, into Dorinda's neck to tighten it as, as hard as she could. Gotcha. So Dorinda, who is also pretty young, she's in her late 50s, um, fights back and is absolutely not interested in having in being murdered today. Well, obviously. So she come back tomorrow. It'll be OK. <laughs> it's fine then. So she's basically Dana got her on the ground, like pushed her basically so that she was on that Dorinda was on her knees. And then um, and then Dorinda like tried to boost herself up but couldn't kick dana a few times to like get her you know get some leverage back and then when she couldn't quite get off up off the floor like 
crawled across the floor, dragged Dana across the floor with her to grab a broom and like started hitting Dana with this broom. And even though it kind of let her kind of get away for a little bit, didn't quite work in the way that Dorinda hoped, but it did eventually work. So Dorinda, because she's like, I don't understand what the fuck is going on. She keeps asking Dana, why are you doing this to me? What did I do to you, lady? Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? And Dana goes really like oddly out of context goes, I'm not doing it for the money. So it's at this point becomes clear to us as we're looking at it in hindsight that Dana is not actually interested in the money making aspect of this of what she's been doing she is just murdering people because she likes it or because she's angry or because of whatever reason because she did eventually choke out dorinda but did not kill her so dorinda survives this this is how we this is obviously how we know the details of this this particular incident um that and then dana takes five dollars from dorinda's purse when there was 25 dollars in there and takes $25 from the petty cash of the store. But wasn't that wasn't all the petty cash. So, very odd. She just kind of takes gas money. And it's, goes. it's like the money is her trophy. Yeah, a little bit. Like, she doesn't need all the money. She just needs a little bit. She needs one credit card. She needs a little bit of cash. Gotta get that Mervyn's. I feel like she went back to Mervyn's after this. Well, Don't obviously. You? I just who, feel like... Who like... wouldn't? <laughs> so... I'm really, I think it's great because Dorinda sounds to me like she was like, uh-uh, bitch, not today. And like she wouldn't let her kill her. Um, but what's interesting is that she actually said that that Dana was talking to her as if she was a nurse, like giving her a shot. So she was like, shh, shh, shh it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Quiet, quiet, keep quiet, keep quiet. You're going to feel a little prick. Yeah. And it's it's kind of weird, but also quite interesting to me that she was like, it's okay, honey. It's okay. I'm just murdering you. I'm just murdering you. I am. I am, in, I am executing my best bedside manner right now. Yeah. So Dorinda, being that she was, she had gotten a good look at Dana, was able to give a relatively good description of her to the police. And because it was essentially kind of on the same length, wavelength as what had happened to Norma and June, they connected it. They, Probably pretty quickly too. Yeah, and. Around the same time, June's family was made aware that there had been some strange activity on her credit cards. So the police got that information, found out where she'd, when the cards had been used, found that they were used after she'd been murdered, and went to these stores and asked around for information on the person who had made these purchases. And so they, they, they all pretty much described her the same way Dorinda did. So she was a, about five foot two, blonde, uh, shoulder length hair. Uh, that she was athletically built, um, had her, but her hair was kind of frizzy, um, and that she was with a little boy who was about five years old and was called Jason. Uh, the hairstylist actually went a bit further and actually knew Jason's last name. The police looked it up, couldn't find a Jason Wilkins that had an adult female around him that looked like Dana or looked like the description. So they kind of dropped it until necessary. Um, in addition, Jason was apparently referring to Dana as my other mom, which is a, which for Dana was probably very nice. Right. Uh, but, and also great for the investigation because that led them to believe that she was not his real mother, that she was his stepmother. Right. So, or something like that. So they have a few clues on hand. In addition to that, they also have a clue that Dana wanted to dye her hair red, but 
because her hair was too frizzy, quote unquote frizzy, the stylist wouldn't dye it. She said that all her hair would fall out if she did this. Gotcha. So Dana was not given a color that day. And um, however, because she had shown interest in coloring her hair, this was added into the description of her that she may have red hair she may have blonde or red hair which isn't which is great because what ended up happening net happening next was detective greco thought he would tap into jerry one more time so he called up jerry and he said hey jerry this is the description of the woman that we think is responsible for the murders of your mother-in-law and june do you know anybody who fits this description and she was like no not really. And he was like, do you know anybody who's recently gone red? And she's like, no, I don't. Because she didn't. But then, about five days later, Jerry calls up Greco and says, hey. Oh, hi, Greco. Oh, hi, Greco. Um, I actually think you might be talking about my stepdaughter. And he's like, why is that? And she says, well, she's five foot two. She's bl- or she she's athletic. She has a stepson, or her boyfriend's son is five years old, and he goes by the name of Jason. And a couple of days ago, she came over to the house, and she'd recently dyed her hair red. And Greco goes, oh, really? And she's like, yeah. And then he's like, what's Jason's last name? And J- and Jerry was like, I don't know. Let me find out. So Jerry calls around and finds out that his last name is Wilkins, calls back Greco, tells him. And Greco goes, bam, that's who we're looking for. Sure clackety. Yeah. So he decides... This is March 16th, 1994, and he goes to his superior officer and he says, I've got this woman. I want to do a search warrant on her house. I feel like she's an excellent suspect. These are the reasons why. And they say, okay, but you're going to have to go to the house and get all these details about this house in order to do this. And he says, because apparently they have to make sure that the house is secure when they write a search warrant. Apparently, when you when police write a search warrant, I didn't know this. They need to be aware of anything that can go wrong in the search warrant. So they need to like go and look at the place and just and figure out if there are animals there. They have to figure out if there's any extra any additional exits. They need to kind of be prepared for anything that can happen. Interesting. I did not know that. I didn't know this either, and I think it's really I think it's very interesting. It could just be that this is the this is the requirements in that county. I don't know if that's everywhere, but I think it's really neat. Um, so he had to go and do all this stuff, but in the meantime, he needed somebody to be on Dana. So he called up, um, like it's called ARCnet. I don't know that what it stands for. He called up this task force, this ARCnet task force to follow her. So, and this is when this day, this day is a very unfortunate day, but what happens is he's on the way to get the search warrant. Um, ARCnet is on the way to follow Dana and Dana in the meantime, kills somebody. Before Arknet starts watching her. Before Arknet starts following her. So, um, Dora Beebe is the name of her final victim. Okay. And Dora is just a nice old lady who had gone to get her eyes checked that morning and and gotten home. And once she got home, she received a knock on the door from a woman asking for directions. And also whether she had a Mervyn's credit card or not. (laughs) Wouldn't that be great? Hey. I was just wondering if you have a Mervyn's credit card. I'm sorry. I'm trying to find this one park. And also, do you have a Mervyn's credit card? <laughs> that park is two blocks up and one, one block over. And yes, I do have a Mervyn's credit oh, card. Oh, interesting. So, <laughs> Have you ever been stabbed before? Would you like to? So 
she knocks on the door of this woman because this is 1984 and there was no such thing as GPS. And apparently, in the people are fine with being with telling people directions when being knocked on the door. I would never be. I'd be like, "Fuck you, go find it yourself. Go buy a map." I'm not nice though, so. Dana follows her into her home, and I don't know the series of events, but I'm pretty sure that it happens almost immediately that Dana just beats her with an iron all around her house. The crime scene was so bloody that they couldn't tell the age, Dora's age, when they got there. Yeesh. She had a four-inch tear in her scalp. Wow. Just from getting beat on? Yeah. Yikes. Um, The blood was all over everything. Like The police were like... It was an unbelievable crime scene. I I had read somewhere that her body was perfectly outlined on the wall in blood. Like the blank space and then all right. just horrible. Um, so this was about, I've actually got, so there was also a phone cord around her neck. Okay. Which is interesting because Dana really, something about the phone cord. Never quite got what the phone cord was all about. Um, again. She's really into telephones. Dana um, rifled through her purse and took her wallet and, and some her, her bank documents. Um, so what happened was, this was about 11 a.m. that this happened. 11, between 11 and 12 a.m. Getting an early start in the, in the Dana killing. Dana killed Dora. And it was about 2 p.m. The task force gets to Dana's house. And at 3.10, Dana comes home. At 3.40, she leaves again and goes to the bank where um, Dora BB's, where Dora BB does her banking. And withdrawals, $2,000. One of the biggest things about this story that drives me crazy is nobody's asking for fucking ID. $2,000 and they didn't ask her for ID? Right. They didn't say, excuse me, Dora, let's see you. Or, or a signature. Well, I think she just signed it. Yeah, but they usually check it against your signature card. But do they? Yes. Generally, they do. Okay. Well, they didn't that day. Apparently. And so they gave her this $2,000. Um, then she goes to a grocery store and buys a shit ton of groceries because why not? Two bottles sure of Smirnoff there were two and two of... cartons of Marble Lights. <laughs> I'm sure they were in there. And then she goes and to a And some orange Gatorade. Store. Well, she had to get the orange Gatorade from the drugstore. <laughs> she may have gotten the... Obviously. So at approximately 5.45 p.m., Greco and the task force execute the search warrant on Dana's property. Greco and the task force would be a great band name, by the way. You're right. That is a good band name. Maybe uh, Jim should... Start a band called Greco and the Task right. Force. So they found so much merchandise, searchers described it as a Christmas haul. Because there were like toys and perfume and new clothes and new shoes, like 10 pairs of Nikes. Brand it's new it's of like Nikes. in Gone Girl when they open up the, the sister's garage. Yeah. And there's like a million dollars worth of merchandise in there. Absolutely. That's yeah. exactly, exactly. Except for this, nobody was setting Dana up for murder. No, she killed people. She actually did <laughs> committed them murders. They also found June's credit cards because Dana's an idiot. And they arrested her. As one would. And so after bringing Dana to the police station, station, she she claimed that she found June's credit cards. But she didn't say, like, yeah, I went over to June's house and they were laying on the on the sidewalk. She so said, I- like, she was at a store and some guy showed up and, like, threw the cards away in front of her. And she went over to see what he threw away because that's what you do. You you see somebody throw something away and you go over to this go over and you throw you look through the trash so i took him for safekeeping and then murdered the guy and stole all the merchandise <laughs> he's he bought off of her credit cards but she said that she took the she but it was self-defense 
<laughs> she said she found the credit cards because this guy had thrown them away and that she used them because she was so excited because she got to because she could. But then she said, oh, I also found it's so funny because I also found a purse today. And they said, oh, yeah. And she goes, yeah, it's like some woman's, I don't know, like Bebe or BB or something like that. And they were like, oh, really? And she's like, yeah, like I just found it. And like it was the same deal. Like a guy came up and he threw away this purse. And I went over and I was like, holy crap, there's like a checkbook in here. And she was so excited about that because it was another big payday for her. And Greco, who knew that there was another Ta- there was another group of people working on this murder that happened earlier in the day because they they had already been called. This was already a thing that had been reported. Um, went out, said, excuse me, left the interrogation room, went like across the hall to where they're investigating this this crime. Because he's also, if, if old women are being murdered, he's being told about this. Right. I mean, he's, you know, now he's the old woman murder guy, you know. So he went over and he said, hey, what's the name of the person who you are? who you're investigating whose murder you're investigating and they said it's dora bb and he said i've we have your we have your suspect here at the here at the station and surprise it's my case so basically if they had if if jerry had called him earlier in the day if he had gotten the task force earlier in the day if he had if anything had changed this is not greco's fault he he solved this case within a month right this is I mean, we're talking March 16th. The last murder was March 16th. She was arrested on March 16th. So this is, it started on February 14th. So we're talking about one month of murders. Right. And within one month, it being solved. Granted, there are literally three murders that happened in that month. But he did everything he could. They didn't know he, she was going to murder somebody that morning. Right. It was, they weren't like, oh, well, she's definitely going to murder somebody today. We should definitely already be on her. Right. You know, it's, I'm... I think that the police did an amazing job on this case. They they solidly got her when they when they when they when they found out who she was. They didn't drag their feet. They went in and they got the search warrant. They found the shit. She was clearly the guilty party. And even though she denied and denied and denied it, she would not admit to it. She in fact she um tried to plead not guilty by reason of insanity. Lol. And then when she faced the um when she faced the evidence she realized that the case was huge against her and so she pled out but the plead out that she wanted was really interesting to me because and i don't really know why and to be honest i i could know why but i didn't quite reach that far in my research um she refused to admit to killing her grandmother so she refused so part of her deal was that she would never be tried for her grandmother's murder Okay. And I think that part of that is because they didn't have as much evidence for that. So for for June, she had her credit cards. Right. For Dorinda, they had Dorinda. Mm-hmm. And for Dora, they she had her credit cards and her checkbook. Right. So there was all this evidence against her for these three murders or these these three incidences, two murders and, and an assault. Um, but there was no evidence against her for Norma. But it's she definitely killed Norma. Right. Well, I feel like in in that situation, like like usually, like as far as I'm aware, like with the families, like they would want the closure of it all, you know. Yeah. And in the the fact that the the murderer is not getting away unpunished, right? Right. So in that case, like the family knows that 
like obviously they 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 know that that she killed her like like Dana killed the grandma we know that Dana killed grandma but she's not she didn't get tried for her she yeah she didn't get tried for it so you know normally you'd be like oh well that sucks because there's no like real closure to the case for them but there kind of is in this case because she went away for all of these other murders yeah. and so she's still getting punished just not like specifically for that one yeah I just find Dana Sue to be utterly weird yeah. and intriguing. It's such an interesting case, in my opinion, because she clearly was a very violent woman. And it doesn't, it's, it's odd to see such violence in murder from a woman. Yeah. Well, it, I mean, it sucks that, that there were people that got murdered with this because otherwise this would just be, you know, one of the most ridiculous identity fraud cases that I've ever heard of, you know, it's like, oh yeah, I stole some credit cards and went and bought Smirnoff, a, a Smirnoff and a fringe leather jacket and, and a hundred pairs of Levi's for, for my <laughs> right. boyfriend's son Hello, and yeah. got him a fancy haircut and gave him some cheesecake and bought myself some dumb crap and some perfume and more Smirnoff, you know, yeah, and it's like, this is ridiculous. This woman is ridiculous. But then, you you know, it, it kind of weighs it down and bums you out when you think about the fact that she had to murder some people. To she definitely that, murdered people in a very to violent make that way. Happen, yeah. Like there's so much anger in her that you wonder where it comes from. And I think the truth is, is it comes from her anger with her mother. Yeah. So that's why she attacked who she attacked. Right. But it's I mean, I don't I don't think she's crazy. I think she's just violent. She like if she had wanted credit cards, she didn't need to kill people. Right. She could have just snuck them out of the purses. Yep. She could have been like, "Oh, June, what's that?" Stole the Mervin's card. Look know? over there. Look over there. <laughs> you know. Yeah. I it's I I guess June may have been older than fifty seven. The more I think about it, the more I think she was older than that. Okay. Uh, I feel bad for everybody in this case. Yeah. Except for Dana. I don't feel bad for Dana. I don't feel bad for Jason. He got away with some fucking <laughs> loot. <laughs> I wonder if he still has that that um, helicopter. So should we should we end it on that? Yeah, I think. <laughs> and on that bombshell. <laughs> All right, everybody. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Um, if you would like to uh, follow us on Twitter, we're into the at into the basement. If you would like to email us and tell us a story, or give us some advice, or tell us you love us, or tell us you hate us. Or tell us you hate us. Uh, it's thebasementhosts at gmail.com. Uh, and if you want to boost us up because you love us even more so than you could possibly imagine, please go and rate and review us. Please rate us. I need the validation. Uh, iTunes is the preferred place, but anywhere that you, that you listen to podcasts is fine, too. We'd love it if you would. Thank you so much. And... Bye. Bye.